the restaurant job is it's rewarding in its own way, but it's also really, really hard um, and it's demanding. And so like, where does technology step in to be helpful? What's up, Zach Oates here, author, entrepreneur, and customer relationship guru. Welcome to Give an Ovation, growth strategies for restaurants and retailers, where we find industry leaders to share their secrets to grow your business. This podcast is sponsored by Ovation, the actionable guest feedback tool that works on or off premise and is easy, real time, and actually drives revenue. Learn more at OvationUp.com. Welcome to another edition of Give Innovation. I am joined today by Brian Solar. He is the GM of restaurants at Square. Now, what does that mean? Well, this guy leads all product engineering, data, marketing, creative teams. I'm not sure what's left, but this guy is not just a 10-trick pony. He also ran restaurant tools at Google, founded Townhound, which was a restaurant marketing technology acquired by Google, and got his MBA from Stanford. And by the way, quick aside, he and I share a mutual love for a very niche random segment of music, which is French rap. There is That's a, <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's a rapper, MC Solar. And uh, anyway, I asked if they were related. They're not, but I'm still a fan of Brian's. So thanks for joining us and give innovation, Brian. Great to be here. Great to be here. This is fun. So first of all, tell us a little bit about what does GM of Restaurant at Square do? And because uh, that, when I was reading that, I'm like, man, like what, what, what don't you do, Brian? Yeah, you know, it's fun. I mean, the what I do on any given day changes, but uh, primarily my job is just to obsess about restaurants, right? And to figure out what is it that restaurants want, but they're not getting, um, or what is the thing that a lot of times they don't know is coming down the street and I want to have ready for them before it gets there. Um, so I'm working a lot with our product teams. I'm working a lot with our engineering teams. Um, our research teams, um, and occasionally I'm, I'm trying to sneak into restaurants and you know hang out in the kitchen, uh, hang out with the servers, do what I need to do to to make sure that we're keeping really really close to to what folks need. Love that. I think that is so important to really get in there. And you've had quite an extensive background in working with restaurants and, and technology. It really, oh. back when technology was still a dirty word for restaurants, you were at the forefront of, of bringing it up, which is, which is really cool. Cause you've seen a lot of things over the last couple of decades. And I guess one question I would have for you is what's a common mistake that you see restaurants make? Yeah. You know, I mean, it's a little bit of context. So, um, you know, my grandparents, my uncles, my aunts, my cousins all ran restaurants. Right. And so, and then, uh, when I was in my early twenties, I ran a business that, uh, that did turnarounds for restaurants that were in kind of bad shape. Um, and so one of the reasons that I think I got into the, the technology side of restaurants so early is because, I mean, that job is already really hard. Uh, the restaurant, you know, life is, you know, working Christmas mornings and, and doing a bunch of stuff that, uh, you know, other folks don't always have to do. And I always saw the technology as a, a lever to make that job easier. Um, and, you know, especially when you think about like the old point of sale systems with, you know, the data was in there, but it was in a super, super deep CSV that you needed to, you know, translate into all these things to figure out maybe we should stop selling the fish or whatever. Um, and so I've kind of become obsessed with the idea of the restaurant job is it's rewarding in its own way, but it's also really, really hard um, and it's demanding. And so like, where does technology step in to be helpful? 
Um, and there's just so many ways that they can do that. Um, and bringing that level of technology to the folks who I think need it the most um, is something that you know I care a lot about, my team cares a lot about. Um, so it's kind of the dream job for me. Yeah, I think that makes, uh, that, that's interesting that you say, put it like that, because as we look at what, what do restaurants need? There are so many opportunities when you look at the, the labor, the cogs, the marketing, you know, and, and all of this is fairly new and, and yeah. substantially changed uh, because historically it's been like, a, hey, let's, let's get the formula. Let's open up the pizza place and let's run the pizza place and let's get to that 20% margin. And you get there by just optimizing, optimizing, optimizing. Now the game has changed. It's opening a restaurant is more like opening a tech company that sells food, it feels like. So what are some things that you're most excited about in 2023? What are some things that you feel like Square is doing to help alleviate that tech burden from from restaurants? Yeah, I mean, one of the things, uh, I'll tell you what Square is doing and I'll tell you what some other companies are doing. I mean, I I think you're absolutely right. The game has changed, right? And and in terms of, I think... um, the restaurant industry has always been one of the most competitive industries out there, right? And like anytime, you know, you had a friend or family member that said they were going to open a restaurant, you'd have 10 people be like, oh, no, don't do that. Yeah. Uh, it's so hard, right? <laughs> uh, even, even like, you know, my own family with like another family member would be like, I'm going to do it. Like, oh, are you sure? <laughs> so, um, but, you know, I think one of the things that, that I'm really excited about is um, obviously making a great enchilada or making a great lobster roll or making a great whatever um, is now only part of that equation of having a successful restaurant. Yeah. Um, And in a super competitive industry, it's, it's kind of like the, uh, the thing that I think is like the best proxy is like when I go to shop online and um, you know, I go to a site and they're like, yeah, we can have it there in four to five days. It's like four to five days when I was 20 would have been completely acceptable. But Mm -hmm. now I'm used to Amazon Prime. Like, I'm like, why isn't this going to be here tomorrow? No, thank you. Next, right? Yeah. Um, And so I think with a lot of these, like, kind of technology advancements, uh, one of the things that we're thinking about is how do we make sure that restaurants are able to personalize how we, you know, the experience. So uh, the forgivable act or sin that uh, I see from time to time is people walk up to a table and they say, have you been here before? Like, can we tell you about the menu? And if I've been there 20 times, like that is, that is a slap in the face. Yeah. Um, but with restaurant turnover and, and, you know, the staff turning over a hundred you know, percent uh, a year, like that institutional knowledge doesn't stay the same way it used to. Um, and so one thing that I, I know we're excited about is giving people the technology tools to kind of fill in the gaps that I think, you know, whether it be kind of staff understanding the customers or staff understanding the inventory, like a lot of these things plugging those things together. I think those are the things that we're most excited about because it's what restaurants most need right now. And I think as we're looking at how do you leverage technology, the whole concept is what what can humans be replaced with and where do you need to look at the whites of the guest size, right? Where do you need that human touch? And one of the superpowers that we've seen is using technology to Tony Stark your staff. Yeah, give them absolutely right, and that's that's what it's about because all of the training in the world walks out every single year, right? It walks out your door, 
And it's critical to train your staff, but you also have to realize that there are certain things that you can't always train on. And there are certain yeah. things that it's, it's hard to keep up on. For example, I know there's a lot of people who will, they, they train their staff religiously on the table touch, but you were just yeah. telling me about a restaurant manager, you know, great, great service, great ambiance, not great food. Server came up, asked, how was everything? And, and you obviously there with your family, you uh, run restaurants, you GM of restaurants at square. So obviously you said, well, the food is terrible. And here's what I, here's <laughs> 10 things that I think is better. Is, is, isn't that what you did, Brian? That is, that is exactly the opposite of what I did. Uh, and, and, you know, the, the thing that I think is, is uh, so great about like that example, and you and I have talked about this before. Um, when I was at Google, one of the things I looked at was reviews. Um, and there's this bimodal distribution that, that plays out with reviews. You have folks, you know, if, if you crush it, they're going to tell you. They're going to say, this place was great. I'm going to tell my friends. I'm going to write a five-star review. If you completely blow it up and it's, you know, the steak was on fire when it hit my table and the server spit in my face, like you're getting the one-star review. But, um, you know, I, I think one of the things that all restaurants need right now, almost more than ever, is data. Um, and that three-star experience, the, the one that you and I were talking about, you know, uh, uh, earlier where it's like, I'm just not going back. Right. Like I'm, I'm not mad. I'm not upset. I don't need to talk to a manager. Um, but like the food was cold. The, the, you know, the hamburger was like pretty seriously overcooked. Um, and you know, I, I, I'm not going to do it in front of my kid. I'm not going to, you know, ask to talk to anyone and I'm not mad, but I, as someone who, grew up in the restaurant space and I live and die here every day. Like I want them to do well, but how do I get them the data to help them modify? Um, and that, that's one of the things that I think a lot of restaurants just, they're, they're uh, hoping that folks will tell them. And there's just so many other ways for folks to just get that data now. You know, just like I, I went, one of my favorite pizza places, I, one of the, my the things I love there is like, they have this really thick sauce that you can, dip these delicious breadsticks in. So I yeah. went there one day and I would go there religiously. I went there one day and for some reason, the sauce was super runny, gross. It was like watery. Yeah. And it was like, I, there was no way for me to tell them about that. Yeah. And, and it wasn't the fact that I was like mad enough to leave a review, but I was, I was like disappointed enough to try other pizza places. And yeah. I didn't go back there for over a year because I was like, oh, there's other pizza places that are good, right? Yeah. And, and that's the thing I think we need to remember is with all of this and, and about that data, it's not about getting the data of the extremes, right? It's about getting, yeah. getting the data from as many people as you can to get an accurate portrayal of, of yeah. what's actually happening. Yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll give you a similar example. Um, there's a, a sandwich place that uh, my family goes to all the time, just all the time. I mean, probably two times a week, they might get an order for us. Um, it's on my way home. It's like right by my kid's school. Um, and uh, I always get the double meat. I mean, I'm a big guy, I'm, you know, I'm going to need the meat. And so I get the double meat. Um, and, uh, and, you know, I, I'm sure they, like everyone else in the world are facing cost pressures or facing all of these things. Um, and uh, somewhere I suspect uh the decision on what a double meat should look like has changed. And I thought it happened just once. And I, I you know, I was like, all right, I went off. 
happened a couple of times. Um, and now I don't order the double meat because it's not worth it. Right. Yeah. But on a $8 sandwich, the double meat was an extra $2. Um, and so like, that's another 25% margin. And I know it doesn't cost, you know, $2 to add an extra, a little bit of, of, uh, Turkey or whatever. Um, but great example of the data, right? Like I'm still coming, you know, I'm coming once a week instead of twice a week. So I haven't churned. Um, but my, you know, average order value is down because what I used to do, I'm not doing anymore. Um, and like the data that they have internally, like they made a decision to, to pull that back. And the assumption is that that doesn't have domino effects and it almost always has domino effects, but without the data, you don't know how severe those are. Um, and so that's like, you know, a great example of just like really, really great operators are obsessing over the data and figuring out like what little tweaks can they make and what little tweaks are, you know, the juice isn't worth the squeeze, so to speak. And that's why, that's where technology comes in of like really leveraging that data to help Completely. make decisions because look, you're not expected to be a data scientist. There's mm -hmm. a lot of tech companies out there that have data scientists, uh, yeah, one of the teams that you're over. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you, I, uh, I've been at a, in a couple of presentations with our data scientist. And, you know, literally today, I've got a, a presentation with one of our data scientists about um, customer insights. Like, what, what have we learned about our customers, customers, and, you know, what's going on and how we can, you know, shoot that out. I can tell you that these guys are brilliant, like, to the point that I'm, I'm sitting in some of these meetings being like, is this person the same species as me? Like, uh, like this is like a supercomputer talking to me. I'm, I'm like incredibly impressed. Um, and, you know, every restaurant is not going to be able to have a data scientist on their team. But I think what they, they should be able to have is technology partners that can bring that level of intelligence to bear on their behalf. Um, and not like in the, we call it, uh, you know, one of the things that we say internally here is no library cards. Um, which is like, hey, uh, someone comes up to you and asks you for the uh, the answer to a question. And you say, here's the library card. It's behind me. Go find it. Mm, um, interesting. None of that. Like, If they want to have a question, we got to give them the answer directly and we got to tell them what to do about it. Um, and so, I mean, these guys are, whew, uh, I, I wish that they were doing these podcasts because they will melt your brain. <laughs> well, that's why they don't, because I can't even understand them. Uh, yeah. <laughs> So speaking of all of this, when, when we're looking at um, guest experience, right? Because all of this really boils yeah. down to that. What do you feel like is the most important aspect of guest experience nowadays? You know, I think it matters if you're a QSR or if you're an FSR. Um, so on the QSR side, I, I think uh, consistency, especially given all of the changes, uh, consistency is probably one of the most important things. Consistency in the food quality and consistency in the speed of service. Um, food quality, we talked a little bit about, like you change that formula, you know, the, the sauce is too runny, like you said, or the double meat is half as big as, you know, as I was talking about, that breaks the, the compact or the, the, the trust uh, that I think is, is created. Um, speed of service is another one where you're short staffed. I showed up for lunch like I always show up, but instead of it taking 15 minutes, it took me 45 minutes to get my lunch. Well, you've also broken kind of that, that trust. Um, so I, I think that's true on the QSR side. On the FSR side, I think uh, it's really, really interesting that I think that the expectations of personalization and understanding are dramatically growing uh, on, on the FSR side. Huh. Think about open table, seven rooms, all of these like, you know, reservations platforms. 
when I come in and like we were saying, someone asks, have you been here before? I know that I booked with the same way that I booked five other times. I know that I've seen other people here. I know that I order the same thing every time, more or less. Um, Why are you not meeting me where I am? And why are you not, you know, recognizing me? I I think one thing that uh, I'm extremely bullish on is I think in the next couple of years, we're going to see status in FSR restaurants, Uh, you know, special tables that are held for regular customers Um, on on some of my apps, I, you know, I'm uh, on Chick-fil-A, I'm, I'm like a red member and I'm about to be a platinum member, which means that I've got to go on a diet. Um, but, uh, <laughs> but I mean, it's real, you know, it's a, it's a real thing. You get rewards, you get access to these things. Um, and so I think that that level of expectation, like we were talking about is going up and people are going to need technology to help bridge that gap. And, and that level of expectation of the personalization is not because consumers are becoming more and more jerks. It's because everything else in the world is becoming more personalized. You're talking about Amazon. I'm using a monitor right now that I ordered uh, I ordered at breakfast and I got at lunch, right? That's and, incredible, yeah. And Amazon recommended like, hey, you'll probably need this case for it, right? And so I bought that. And like, those are the, the, that's the personalization that's becoming standard. The problem is yeah. restaurants are historically five, 10, 15 years behind with technology. And yeah. now consumers are saying, look, everything else is personalized to me. Get on board restaurants. Well, you know, I think that's true. And I think one of the things that's, that's really incredible is that the really savvy restaurants are the ones that are moving the expectation bar, right? Yes. Like I went to a restaurant the other day where I walked in and it weirded me. I mean, I say it weirded me out, but it was also kind of delightful. I walked in and uh, they're like, thank you so much for coming back. You know, we've, we've set you at the table. This isn't the table you were at last time, but like, you know, we're so happy that you're back. It's been a while. Um, can we get you a, I drink bourbon. They're like, you know, can we start you off with a glass of bourbon? I was like, Oh my God, I felt, I don't think I'm that special, but I felt really special. And that to me raised the bar for every other experience. I'm like, how is it that they can do that? But all the other places I go to can't do that. Well, these guys are special now. Um, And in a super competitive space, like you now need to catch up to them. And that's the thing. One thing that I've, that I've really learned through the years is that the most universal human desire is the desire to feel important. hundred percent. When you tap into that, helping that guest feel important, you are building a relationship. And that relationship is loyalty. That relationship will take you to that next level. And I, I know we we are running over here, Brian, but man, one right. last question. What, what, is, um, what are some successful tactics you've seen or tried lately? One, by the way, that Brian taught me at the beginning of this episode, <laughs> there was a little bit of an echo going on and Brian clapped and the echo went away. And I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, it's a little trick we do at Google. Uh, when there's an <laughs> echo, you just double clap. And I'm like, no way. And it worked. And I'm like, it, besides that. I don't know why it works, but it does work. Yeah. Blew my mind. Life has changed forever with, with, a, with a one clap echo fix. Uh, besides that tactic, what, what are some other tactics that you've seen or tried lately? You know, uh, I'll tell you, I mean, I kind of had this this uh, incredibly fortunate situation where I get to work with like unbelievably smart, forward thinking operators. 
Um, and, and I think that there's a little bit of like selection bias, right? And that like a lot of times the folks that are coming to Square are the folks that are trying to be ahead. They're trying to have the, the technology before it lands there. And so, um, you know, one of the things that I think is really, really cool is like who they are partnering with. And, and you know, I, I get to hear about that. So, um, you know, I, I think one thing that I found really interesting is, is what folks are doing in the in-house delivery space. So companies like Romo and Cartwheel and these, these restaurants that are effectively bringing back the ability for them to do delivery, you know, their customers, they're protecting their margin, they're, you know, making sure that they own the experience from end to end. Um, so like, that's a great example. I think um, obviously the, the market is changing a bunch in terms of costs. Um, I love anyone who protects restaurant margins. Um, so there's a company called Cut and Dry, uh, Craftable is another great one. Um, I, I, I'm, I'm kind of a, a student of restaurant pain, if that makes, kind of sounds like a weird thing, but uh, I love to know what hurts them so that I know what to go and get. Um, and I love to go out and one of the things that we believe at, at Square is we'll build some stuff that's going to be great first party, right? Like our point of sale is great. I think our table side is great. Uh, table side ordering, our KDS, um, et cetera. But the, the best part of Square, I actually think, is our APIs. Um, and it's the ability for us to find the best company out there, whether it be, you know, Ovation for, for feedback or, uh, you know, uh, Craftable for inventory management, any of these things, and then bring them in and make it feel seamless. Um, I, I've had this dream of, of bringing a bunch of um, kind of earlier or maybe like less tech savvy uh, restaurateurs together and just sitting them down in front of some of the best restaurateurs out there in terms of the ones that are just blowing it out of the water with like their tech stack and, you know, all the different people that they put together. Um, Cause the folks that are doing it well, they're doing it really, really well. I mean, it is a fine oiled machine that you just sit back and you're like, man, what you did with those Legos is impressive. Um, yeah. So yeah, that's a long answer, but uh, I think that's one of the things that I'm seeing that I'm just really impressed by. Awesome. And anyone that we should be following in the food industry who, who deserves an ovation, do you think? Uh, such a great question. Um, anyone that you uh, that I think that you should be following, um, I, I think any of those companies that I talked about, uh, you know, Cartwheel, Bromo, Craftable, uh, Cut and Dry, like any of those folks, I think are great. And then there's a couple of operators um, that I, I look at, and I'm just like, wow, y'all are way ahead of it. I think the folks at the kebab shop, for example, mm -hmm. um, those guys are always playing the chess game three moves ahead. Uh, Wally over there is amazing. Super, super, super sharp guy. Awesome. Well, Brian, how do we find and follow you? And and Square obviously is all over the place. Uh, but for those yeah. who want to follow some of your insights, how do we yeah. uh, how do, we do that? Yeah, hit me up on uh, on LinkedIn. I'm, I I typically try to post uh, like tips and stuff for for restaurants. Um, I I actually just yesterday was uh, there's a guy named uh, Rev who does really really cool stuff in terms of like helping restaurants figure out a bunch of their marketing, um, and so I'm I'm kind of the uh, the megaphone to I think some of the best folks out there. Um, not all my ideas are original. Actually, most of them are not, but uh, I I try to believe that I curate some of the good ones and share them with as many people as I can. And then obviously you can find Square on Instagram and uh, and LinkedIn as well. Awesome. Well, Brian, for showing us how to level up the library card and for being an evangelist for great technology that is so needed in the restaurant industry, today's ovation goes to you. Thank you so much for joining us on Give an Ovation, Brian. Cool. Thank you so much. It's great to be here. Glad you're with us today and thank you. 
thank you to the risk takers, the troublemakers, the crazies who are keeping this world clothed and fed. You're the ones who deserve an ovation. Again, this podcast was sponsored by Ovation. To see how we can help you grow your business, go to OvationUp.com. Don't forget to subscribe. And as always, remember to give someone in your life an ovation today.